0: And we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The
1: podcast of the beast.
0: The reflections of the beast. Reflections of the beast, part one. Part one. Yeah. How you doing, Nesbitt? I'm doing good. Fantastic. Um, I'm doing pretty well, too. Still a little too distant for my liking, but we're, we're coming towards the end of that. Yep. Coming up very soon, what is it, this weekend... Yep. We're getting together, and we're going to check out whatever it is that Iron Maiden are laying down.
1: Yeah, we're going to check out that live download yeah. festival live yeah. stream.
0: And we're doing it in the shed. We're doing it in the
1: shed. We'll social distance in the shed.
0: We'll social distance <laughs> It's a big in the shed. shed. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we haven't hung out now in like, what? How long? Weeks and two weeks months. and weeks, yeah. Weeks and weeks, two months, months. months. and months, yeah. Probably two and a half months.
1: I know, these Zoom calls are uh, they are better than it. nothing, but they kind of suck. It doesn't compare to having a beer with your buddies. I know. So uh, these episodes, these next few episodes, we're doing, Mm. we're calling them Reflections of the Beast. We talked about every single Iron Maiden song and every single album, and we were going to end the podcast by giving our rankings of the Iron Maiden studio albums. But before we do that, we're going to go through every single Iron Maiden album again, just kind of talking about our takeaways from those episodes. I mean, we've mm. got, you know, hundreds of hours here over the last three years talking about Iron Maiden. So it'd be kind of cool to go back and talk about some of those episodes in the lead up That's to right. the ranking episode.
0: Yeah. And see if we uh, see if see if what anything's really changed drastically.
1: Yeah. There's a few. <laughs> yeah. A
0: few little, a few little hot takes. We're going to have Let's a get beer. to the beer I need first. A beer really bad. Yeah. What are we drinking here? This, this modded... It's called
1: Modit. Modit. Modit from Unibrew. This is from Quebec. So this is a cool uh, label. It's got a devil, and then it's got a bunch of uh, guys in a flying canoe. Yeah, it's a canoe in the sky. There's some kind of story to it that I can't remember, where it's these guys made a deal with the devil to get their canoe to fly so they could go to this big party. Yeah, it's it's like some old French legend. And uh, they became... Well, Maudit means like cursed or damned. So they got is this like some they made the French deal with the party and then <laughs> they ended up cursed worth it <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah they flew the canoe into the sun. I'd love to get a
1: t-shirt with a oh. f- flying canoe and the devil on it though with a very cool label so. yeah <laughs> i
0: don't know <laughs> <laughs> all right hit it do not spend your time
2: worrying about
1: those wasted beers all right oh yeah nice I've had this one before, too. This is a very good beer, too. 8%.
0: 8%. Holy God. I don't know if I'll I'll agree with how my takes are changing by the end of this.
1: <laughs> we'll drink a free, few of these, and then every album will be a 10 out of 10. Except for Fear the Dark.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not going to have too many big changes, because I've had so many epiphanies on the podcast already. it would be pretty ridiculous. You know what? I'm going back. Hey, hate Blaze now. <laughs> <laughs> you got a full circle. <laughs> I'm sick of Whoa. them now. Uh, I have lots of delicious beer. Yeah, that's fantastic beer. 8%. Eh? Yeah, it's
1: really good. So, uh, you want to get into it? Let's dig in. Where are we going to start? Uh, we'll start at the beginning, I guess. So, before we get into the first Iron Maiden album, I kind of want to go back to
0: Spare Rib. We're doing Spare Rib. <laughs> we're going back to Spare Rib. Let's in case do this. People don't
1: realize Spare Rib was one of the names Steve Harris was throwing around for Iron Maiden. Okay. <laughs> we're not going back that far, but there were some recordings by Maiden that we talked about in the birth of the beast episodes. So episode 78, 79, 80, 81, and 82, we did five hours on the history of Iron Maiden in the lead up to the first Iron Maiden album. Those were actually some of my very favorite episodes. That's like my favorite phase of Maiden to talk about. Is that really early, early, early phase?
0: Well, there was a couple that, that was definitely the best thing we did. And I'll and I'll 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 just lay that out there. Uh because we recorded that twice. We recorded that way earlier. Yeah, we got two hours it.
1: of it done, and then I was like, This isn't going well.
0: We did the we did the whole thing and it was like you naming out who joined and who came in. Then you went back. This was now this was like that was like episode thirty when when, when there are no first we didn't attempt, we didn't yeah. release it, but when we yeah. when we were re- recording it. And then um you went off and we're, you you came in, and I sat there, and I was blown away. I was like, this is great. And then you were like, no, it's not good enough. I was like, there's ways to cut this up. We argued about it quite a bit. I was like, it's one of the things where I was like, no, 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 we have to, have to do this. And uh, then, uh, and I could barely map it out, like, because you were just, it was names after names. I was like, how many Pauls? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and we just kept going through it all. And then, uh, but then you went back, and you took a, we, by the time we went to 70, we were already in the realization that, the show was way better when you pull out clips that people have never heard. And that was when you really dug deep and you managed to get all those unique, interesting angles and then angles of songs from later recordings that reflected earlier versions and things. Yeah. Remember that? So I thought I that thought was that really was cool. cool.
1: Too. That was I went back and got a whole bunch of like new clips. Remember I found I actually found that gypsy's kiss song, Heat Crazed Vol.
0: That's right. Heat crazed vol, yeah.
1: Dave Smith the guitar player for Gypsy's Kiss. I found his uh, SoundCloud page and found a clip of what uh, Heat Crazed Vole and Influence sound like. Yeah, so these are songs that, you know, Steve Harris played with Gypsy's Kiss, his first band pre-Maiden. Here's a clip of uh, Heat Crazed Vole. Yeah, that's some old pre-Maiden tracks uh, that we kind of got into. Gypsy's Kiss—that's Steve Harris's band pre-Iron Maiden. That's obviously a, that's a re-recording of Heat craze Vol. That's not Steve Harris playing on that, but I always heard about the song Heat Crazed vole and then finally found a version of it, and finally got to hear what it sounded like, which I thought was kind of cool. But we dug in a lot deeper into this early Maiden stuff. We redid those History of Iron Maiden episodes. With something like Smiler yeah. information and Gypsy's Kiss. And oh, I, anyway, I fleshed it out a lot better. And I'm pretty happy with the five-hour version that we came up with.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, it,
1: pretty complete, I think.
0: Yeah, and it totally changed the perspective of at the Carton Horses before the owners wrecked right. it. There was the, there was the amazing um, mural. Well, not so much mural. Just the picture of the right. original early years band. Like even pre-Paul. Pre, you know, Paul we know. Um, pre-Diano that there was that picture. Right, that's with, uh, and Ron Matthews, yeah.
1: Terry Rantz, Dave Sullivan, Paul Day right. and Steve Harris. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that put that in context. So then it made, you see what really I took away from the early years was that the band was well-known, well-loved and people had followed them. And like in a lot of ways when Diano came in, it was almost like when Bruce came in to some people back then. Right. Or when or when, you know, Blaze came it like people really respected the band, even though, it, you know, it, it went on a lot longer than we had perceived.
1: That's true, because a lot of people, they think the first album and they're like, that's the beginning of Iron Maiden. When really yeah. there was before the first album came out, there was, I think, 18 people had been in Iron Maiden before mm. the first album came out. And then when you add yeah. Yannick, Adrian, Nico, Bruce and Blaze, it's there's 23 people that have been in Maiden. It was kind of cool, and it, put, it did put things in perspective that a lot had gone on in Iron Maiden before that first album. So Yeah, and the
0: impact of that was that the body of work, what was Iron Maiden, was bigger yep. than we thought. And as a result, it looked less like this static band with two really good albums and the sound house tapes and made in Japan with like Paul. Yep. You know, and there are a few other things that they didn't release later and stuff like that. But that that book ended with with Paul, and then all of a sudden Bruce came in. It, that's the way I always viewed it before. I was like, oh, this was Maiden, and then Paul was there, and he was trouble at the end of the two, even though they were getting big, and then they got and they got Bruce. Man, there was a lot more. I know. A lot more went on. Yeah, than that. when you get to the the Paul man. being replaced with Bruce, yeah,
1: or Paul Diano, I should say, because he's the third. There's three Pauls. <laughs> yeah, when Paul Diano gets replaced by Bruce, it's just another change in the band. You know what I mean? That's kind of, I really liked too that we went through in detail and really dug into the the first five years of Maiden leading up to the first album. And then we went to London and hung out in the Carton Horses. And it just, you know, after researching that much for, you know, that deep into old Maiden, the fact that we got to go to the Carton Horses immediately afterwards and like drink and like see a Maiden cover band on that stage, I was, I don't know, it kind of drove everything home. It was pretty cool. It was good timing. Yeah.
0: That was amazing that was one of the coolest. I think that was def- this is definitely the, yeah, the best. I love that part. Yeah.
1: As far as recordings, cuz we're going through the recordings in these episodes, we got to start with the Space Word studio demos. So they were recorded December 1978 and they are what became the Soundhouse tapes on November 9th, 1979. So that's Dave Murray, Paul Cairns, who's the other guitar player. Paul Diano, Doug Sampson, and Steve Harris. Yeah. So they took these demos. They released them on their own label, Mm -hmm. Rock Hard Records. They printed 5,000 copies. That's where the Iron Maiden song Invasion comes from.
0: That's really cool. I mean, it 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 almost be interesting, you know. And we talked it through in the in the episodes. I can't remember the exact details now, but where the recordings are, how they got out there. Because I'll be honest with Santos tapes, you have a gorgeous copy of it. I do, yeah. Um, I I aspire to get one at some stage, um, but I don't listen to that. I don't listen to it. I, I don't know. I I kind of came away from this thinking that the digital copy I had was low quality. Is was it was there something about the original recording? Yeah, well, remember, they the
1: recorded idea? it. Um, they intended yeah. to go back and do some overdubs or remix it. Yeah. They basically left the studio with a cassette tape. They kind of mixed it down, put it on a cassette to take and listen to. And they did plan to go back and like remix it or over do some overdubs, but they needed an extra fifty or sixty pounds for the multi track tapes and they couldn't afford it. So by the time they went back to do the overdubs or to remix it, those tapes were recorded over. So all the copies of the soundhouse tapes came from Steve's original cassette tape. Yeah. Oh, my so God. Like, according, Yeah, apparently. Yeah, I like, remember that. You know, tapes were expensive, and, you know, they couldn't just leave them unused. So, Space Word Studios. Oh, my like God. Them, yeah.
0: That's almost, oh, <laughs> know. you know. that's like, I know, that's like someone painting over a Da Vinci, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. Now I, now I remember how sick that made me feel <laughs> know, at the eh? time.
1: So the songs were Iron Maiden, Invasion, and Prowler. They also did a version of Strange World, which we've played Paul Cairns' guitar solo a couple of times on this podcast. I'll play it one more time. This is Paul Cairns, his solo on Strange World. This demo did not end up on the Soundhouse tapes because I think they weren't happy with, like, the mix.
0: Best, the best thing for our listeners is if you want to sound like that super maiden snob, which we all want to do every now and then. <laughs> Someone's like, Oh, when Paul left the band, you gotta be like, I know, went downhill. Karn's it was never the same <laughs> yeah. without him. And they'll be like, Who? They'll be like, Oh, you're talking about Paul number two. <laughs> He's not even the last Paul. Yeah,
1: I know. It's like, <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's uh there's an interesting little tidbit. So
1: that's the soundhouse tapes. So if you want to hear more about, like, the Soundhouse tapes and stuff, that's episodes 78, 79, 80, 81, and 82, the history episodes that we did, The Birth of the Beast, parts 1 to 5. So after that, they recorded the Manchester Square studio demos, October 24th, 1974. These are demos that came out on the Metal for Mothers compilation in 1980. So this is with Dave Murray and Tony Parsons on guitar, Doug Sampson drumming, and then you got Paul Diano and Steve Harris. Um, so it's, it's cool to hear Iron Maiden with like Tony Parsons on guitar. This is a sanctuary from those, uh, demos. But I love the way Paul sings some of those, uh, you know, the lines in there. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. They also did a version of Wrathchild in these studio demos. So they're kind of raw sounding, but I think they're really cool versions. Uh, That's the Manchester Square Studio demos from October 24th, 1979. Um, The next thing we talked about was the BBC Radio 1 Friday Rock Show. So that was November 14th, 1979. And that's uh, Dave Murray and Tony Parsons, Paul Diano, Doug Sampson, and Steve Harris. And it's recorded at Studio 6 in BBC Studios London. And they did Iron Maiden, Running Free, Transylvania... And Sanctuary with Tony Parsons on guitar and Doug Sampson on drums. So here's a clip of uh, Running Free from the uh, BBC Radio Friday Rock Show. So it's cool. I just love hearing these old versions with, like, ex-members in the band. You know what I mean? Pre-first album. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Interesting. a little raw sounding. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a sucker for hearing, like, early f- raw versions of songs, like, taking form. I just love it.
0: Yeah, it, it feels to me like, though, more like audition tapes, you know? Like, when you watch someone and you think about, oh, that's, you know, someone who's auditioning for something big, like um, Al Pacino when he was auditioning for Godfather. Uh, those tapes have been released they're on dvd specials and you're like wow you know at this stage they had made the decision and that's him forming yeah. you know michael Corleone, and and you're watching it and you are like that's cool that's what i look at it like this for objectively i think the one the versions that made it on the albums are generally oh, yeah. i think
1: i would have to agree with you it's just as someone who's heard those ones a thousand times to hear these early yeah. versions it's like it's just really cool so that's the uh, bbc radio one friday rock show um then yeah. there was the wessex studios demos i think that was the next thing we talked about so these are november 25th and 26th of 1979 so you yeah. can see there's a lot going on in october november for maiden in 79 like leading up to the album
0: yeah and they were they were just uh they were kind of getting getting the groove going and i think what were they trying to prove um, to what small would i guess that they had enough for an album no Is that i the, think where, it was just momentum
1: and putting stuff out constantly just to keep the momentum up you know what i mean like there's a lot of momentum behind maiden right now they're like really picking up and taking off and all these releases are just like supporting that but the wessex studios demos um so this is recorded as a four piece so this is paul diano steve harris and doug Sampson on drums and only dave murray on guitar and they did running free which would be released on ax attack volume 1 which is another compilation and this is where burning ambition that's the was later released as a b-side to running free this is where burning ambition came from Say it So that predates, you know, Gypsy's Kiss, Maiden. That's I think one of the first songs Steve Harris ever wrote. It eventually ends up as the B side to running free.
0: I remember yeah. that. Not a fan.
1: <laughs> it's kind of cool to hear. It's very different for a maiden. And you can tell you can tell that it was written way before Steve Harris kind of found his groove as far as like writing maiden songs. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they also did, I'm going to play you a clip of that version of Running Free from the Wessex Studios demos. This was on the Axe Attack Volume 1 compilation, which I have upstairs is actually an awesome compilation. And they released the demo of Running Free on Axe Attack Volume 1, the first pressing. By the time the second pressing of Axe Attack Volume 1 came out, they had recorded the studio version. So the studio versions on all subsequent pressings. This is the demo from the Wessex Studios demos that was on the first pressing of that compilation. That's another version of Running Free. It's pretty cool. But that was basically the recordings we talked about in the lead-up to doing the first Iron Maiden album in those history episodes. One of the things that... The, all that Talking about all that drove home, we always talk about, like, the Blaze songs are Blaze songs, the Bruce songs are Bruce songs, and the Paul songs are Paul songs. But a lot of those songs predate Paul Deano being in the band. They're really Paul Mario Day and Dennis Wilcox songs, a lot of them. You know what I mean? Yes. And
0: like you... And they don't get the credit they deserve, and we often spend times talking about how Paul gets forgotten and Paul got cut out, but they don't get any Yeah, they're kind of like an unknown
1: relatively. blip on the, on the radar as far as, like, Maiden. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah. that was the early years. So I'm going to go through the list of people that we covered, and if you want to hear more about them, you can go back and listen to those episodes. So on bass, we talked about Steve Harris. For drummers, we talked about Ron Matthews, Barry Perkis, or Thunderstick. Doug Sampson, and Clive Burr. You know, this is all pre nico McBrain. For singers, we talked about Paul, Mario Day, Dennis Wilcock, and Paul Deano. And for guitar players, we talked about Terry Ranson, Dave Sullivan, Dave Murray, Bob Sawyer, Terry Wapram, Paul Cairns, Paul Todd, Tony Parsons, and Dennis Stratton. And there was also a keyboard player named Tony Moore who was in the band for a while. So that's all leading up to, you know, the first album.
0: <laughs> that's a lot of names.
1: I know, yeah. It seems like forever ago we talked about that, too.
0: I know. There's so many. And that, you know, and uh, yeah, it's 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 funny to think that just Iron Maiden, the album, appeared and there was one demo before, which is what I thought before we did all this. I was like, oh, there was like a demo disc, sound tapes. I'll never be able to afford that. And then there's Iron Maiden and they were all there and, you know, and then... Yeah,
1: there's a very complicated you know, history leading up to that first album. Yeah. That's true. And like you said, that's true. People talk about Paul being in the band. There's four Pauls in the band because <laughs> Bruce Dickinson is actually yeah, named Paul, too. That's right. <laughs> so uh, then I guess we'll get into the first Iron Maiden album. This is from episodes 85, 86, 87, and 88 of Talking Maiden. We talked about the first album. So, yes. it recorded January 1980 and released April 14th, 1980, and produced by Will Malone which we talked a bit about the production. You know, he was not very interested as far as like producing, I don't think. Not very involved. No. And like the main takeaways that I came away with was just the momentum of the band had going leading up to the release of this album. And also that Killers was already mostly written when this first album was recorded. So they had Killers and Iron Maiden. Most of those songs were in the set list already leading up to the first album. Like, The Ides of March, Wrath Child, Another Life, Innocent Exile, Prodigal Son, Drifter, and Purgatory were already in the set list when they recorded the first album.
0: That's right. And the, the big difference, because the lineup is mostly the same, obviously Adrian comes in, but he kind of shifts in, in, in yeah. the middle of the two. But the big change between the two albums, like night and day, is oh, production. Yeah. If you put the two albums next to each other, that's the difference. Yeah. Like, Killers feels so much yeah. more polished. It feels like, oh, this is an intro. and this a-. No, it's literally a body of work that they've been working on for a few years. And then they jumbled the first one together, which were more polished. Um, I guess maybe in, not polished in, in a recording sense, but certainly that maybe they were more comfortable. I don't know what the selection concept was there because a lot of the best tracks are on Killers. <laughs> um, maybe they had time to yeah. perfect them. But the difference yeah. is it's night and yeah, day in recording. The Martin Birch effect. Or in production. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And the other thing we talked about is how Derek Riggs' cover art existed for a year and a half before Iron Maiden uh, used it as their album cover. It was called Electric Matthew Says Hello. And Iron Maiden kind of got him to add longer hair, and that became the Eddie on the cover, which is pretty cool. Um, One of the things that really drove home when we did those episodes with the first Iron Maiden album is how Phantom of the Opera, which I always, always thought was amazing – it went to It went from just being the song that I thought was great to being one of my favorite maiden tunes, I think. It's just amazing. I remember when we played this clip of uh, Paul Diano's vocals and the harmonies.
2: You remains Like
1: when we did this album, I just became twice as big of a Paul Paldiano fan. I always loved them, but even more so now, I think. Mm. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and there's some great solos in that, no- notably a Stratton solo. Um, if I recall, there's like three solos in that, right? Like there's, um, there's two by Dave, I think. That's right.
1: Yeah, well, Dave Murray has like that first really bluesy solo, which I absolutely love. It's one of the things I love about this song. And then there's what you're talking about which is there's kind of a two-part solo with dave starts it but the last half of it is dennis stratton that's true cool right. hear dennis stratton you isolate his guitar solos and you can really hear he has a, his own unique style compared to the other guitarists that have been in maiden Yeah, it's pretty cool. He does another really cool solo on Strange World. Um, That's another clip we played. Um, Dennis Stratton's guitar playing. He's a really great guitar player. And I love, I kind of like this first album where it has like this Dennis Stratton playing on it. I don't know why it just, uh it's just different. It's cool to hear a guy that was in Maiden just for this one album. And uh, I don't know. I think people maybe overlook him. I think a lot of people don't even realize he's there if you're a casual Maiden fan. But uh, he really contributes to this album. The other thing we never talked about is Clive Burr. Clive yeah. Burr. Like if you listen, if you're into the 80s, Nico, McBreen albums, you go back to this when you really pay attention to Clive's drumming, like Clive's drumming in Phantom the Opera, he has such a cool feel and his style of drumming really affects the sound of Maiden on this album. Yeah, I love Klaus drumming on this album.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, Prowler, Remember Tomorrow, Running Free, great start. Oh, I yeah. love Running Free and uh, Remember Tomorrow from um, Maiden, uh, Made in Japan. But the um, Remember Tomorrow to me is is probably underrated. Uh, relative, like people still regard it as a good track, but like it doesn't really, it doesn't get a lot of a yeah. play anymore. Um, whereas you know, um, Running Free and Iron Maiden do. And I would put that up there, and I, 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 you know, I generally agree with you on *Phantom of the Opera*.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree with *Remember Tomorrow* being a classic from this album. Like *Phantom of the Opera* is my favorite, but *Remember Tomorrow* is not far behind. I mean, and you're right. I think it doesn't get enough attention in the Maiden catalog.
2: Six, four.
1: I, that track is one that it's always been a favorite of mine. And I don't know. It's just.
0: I just feel overall, like when I name all these tracks, and I've just named like five amazing tracks. Yeah. Um, but I still don't feel that this is near as good an album as what they hit in the plateau from Killers, but more Number of the Beast to Seven Sun. I just feel like that this still very much feels like a first album for a band and there's a lot of people who really love this. I feel like there's a bit of nostalgia there or something. The production just isn't there. A few of the like I don't know what it is. I love it. Like the the album cover's amazing. I'm not knocking it. When we do our rankings at the end, I will rank it favorably. No worries there. I love this album. But it's not it's not the best-made album.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's not the I don't think it's the best-made album, but mm, yeah.
0: one thing that I will uh, that I want to tell um, our listeners is after we recorded this, remember I like I'm not I don't collect sing, singles on vinyl, right? Generally, just a scattered one like the record day one, you know, a scattered one here and there, right? Yep. I'm not in the completeness of sing, singles, or or you know, I guess Made in Japan's less a single, more of a live disc, which yeah, I do kind of collect. It's an EP, yeah. It's an EP, whatever. Well, no, I think we went through that. I still don't understand yeah. the differences. <laughs> I went and bought this. I'm holding it right here now. The Made in Japan EP. Remember, we were at a record fair. And yep. it wasn't long after and I bought this. This is probably my most played vinyl since. And I'll tell you why. Every listener out there should get this and I'll give you the reasons. The recording is awesome. Secondly, the art is amazing. Yep. Third, it's like an early maiden original pressing you can get for cheapest tips. Like you can. You can get one of these a good copy for twenty thirty bucks. Right?
1: Yeah, you should be able to get a vinyl copy. You know, very good to near mint condition for 30 bucks Canadian. Is
0: that about right? 20, 30 bucks, maybe a little more. Yeah, there's yeah. some different versions. There's some like differences in arts. I think there's a six track on, I think it was Ozzy version or something like that. I can't remember the details. But Running Free, Remember Tomorrow, side one, side two, Wrath Child, Killers, and Innocent XL. And the way it plays across the two albums, it's a perfect time. It's recorded after Killers. They're at their peak, even though Paul was a bit knackered. I just I just can't advocate it enough. I never did that when we I never had it when we recorded this. And remember how much I listen to this all the time. It's only a couple of tr- I just love it. Like you go through the disc so fast if you just want like an early it there's just five amazing tracks. It's recorded so well. I just I'm an absolute I think every fan should own this vinyl.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a really great EP. It's excellent. The it's a great performance. Yeah. Paul sounds insanely good on that. Mm. But yeah, for for early, if you want like live version of, of a good snippet of like really solid Live performance from the Paul Paldiano era. Yeah. That's a great a great Fanta- album to pick up. It's
0: fantastic. And it's it's a beautiful album and it's a sexy piece of history that you can have in your vinyl collection. So like you could buy all the remastered vinyl and totally I got no issues with that. I actually most of my vinyl's remastered. I have a few originals, I have some duplicates. I don't even have a full collection. I mean I'm kind of sparse. I've got two of some albums, none of the others. And uh, you know, I've got a, a big stack of Maiden vinyl, which I plan to fill out in the next few years. This album is just an easy way to get something super early, high value, gorgeous into your collection for very little money. So I'd advocate everybody to go have a look. Now that I got mine, I don't mind pumping up the price.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, uh, I agree, though, that Made in Japan is just great. But that's kind of jumping the gun because that's after Killers.
0: Yeah, but I brought it in now because I mentioned Remember (laughs) Tomorrow I'm Running Free. That's true. Yeah. And it's a bridge between the two albums in our conversation.
1: Yeah, that's true. Mm. But one thing I also realized when we were discussing the first album in those episodes, I'm not a huge fan of Charlotte the Harlot. I always was like, oh, yeah, Charlotte the Harlot's great. And then when we really paid attention to it, I was like, "Eh, it's not that great of a song. Mm. It's okay. Yeah. And the other thing that we figured out was Sanctuary was originally written by Rob Angelo, who was one of the old guitarists in Iron Maiden in 1977. And Maiden paid him 300 pounds for the rights to that song when he left. And he actually recorded a version of it with his old band Nitro in 1975. So Sanctuary was, you know, that's why that song sounds kind of different from the rest. If you think of like, it's kind of more of like a straight up rock and roll song. (laughs) Now, that's if you include Sanctuary as a track from this album, which I kind of lump it in with this album. It technically wasn't a track, but then it kind of became a track on this album. But eh.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a little all over the place. I like to think, so yes, our listeners know us pretty well by now. Yep. If they don't now, they never will. Go back and start listening. To Go it. back and listen. <laughs> if you're in a casino and you got like a good hand and you're like, you're in the middle of the table, but you got a decent hand. You don't know, and you're doing the odds. There's a little little man on your shoulder, and he's going, I don't know about these odds. Let's calculate it out. That's Nesbitt. There's another one on him, like, bet. Do it. That's me. So I'm just like, roll the <laughs> dice, man. Go for it. So, you know, I'm just jumping all over the place because I'm a little excited right now. We're at the casino. We're summing everything up. I'm not going to be calculated like you, Nesbitt. I'm, I'm all over the place. Let's do this.
1: All right. Killers. Let's get into killers. Killers. Let's do it. Released February second, nineteen eighty one. Yes. Um, first album with Martin Birch, and you brought that up uh, a minute ago. Huge change in sound as far as like production between the first album and this, and also it's the entrance of Adrian Smith. Yes. Yeah. And like we said before, like I had a quote from Dennis Stratton who said they used to play an hour and a half set, so they did like the they used to do like the full first album, most of Killers, you know. Most of these killer songs were ready to go and had been played by Dennis Stratton live before Adrian was in the band, so they kind of wrote a few more songs to kind of fill out the album for Killers. Yeah, I,
0: I feel like Killers is just such a natural step up. Like, I mean, I don't mean to put down. We had to be so careful because people love all the albums so much, and it's you know it's it's important to show progression. Like, I, I look at Killers against Iron Man, and then I, obviously the 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 Golden Age, which follows. After killers is when I believe the golden age really starts. Um, you know, it's, I look at it like, um, one of those early superstar sports seasons where, where like a player shows promise, but they're not like the Michael Jordan last stand. You know, it's the, the MVP year, it's when he's like, it's, you know, it's the early, late 80s, early 90s, where he's like, you realize what they are. It's that natural step, but they're still not there yet. And I just find it so much more polished from production level. I find the, the, the album is. To me, even on a track-by-track basis, I would argue it's better
1: than Iron Maiden. It is way more polished.
0: Yeah, and I love it. And you, when we started the podcast, this was your favorite album, it wasn't it? It was. Yeah.
1: This was my favorite album when we started the podcast, but it's not anymore. You know, and... In fact, you know what? Yeah. I like Iron Maiden better than Killers now.
0: Ooh, hot take. I
1: know. I had years when everyone used to ask me what my favorite Maiden album was. I used to always say Killers. Yeah. And now... I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I got, I got, I got to be honest. But I do like Iron Maiden better than yeah. Killers now after doing this much, you know, this much kind of dissection of it. Yeah, and so I, sh- I should mention too. Yeah, Killers was episode number twenty-three and twenty-four. So we did a two-part, two-hour review of Killers. Yeah. So that was early in the podcast. It was early. Yep.
0: The, the thing about Killers, I've always got a funny relationship with Killers because you and Fox introduced me to Maiden.
1: That's right. Back in
0: the early '90s, I've only been a Maiden yeah. fan for just over 15 years, which is like in Maidenland, nothing. Um, the band's been around for 40, you know, as yeah, as, know, as right? a studio album perspective. So they're like, why is this young guy talking about Maiden right now? Because uh, <laughs> I still have my hearing. Take that, you old fart. But anyway, I'm just kidding. The guy in my head 70. So anyway. Um This has always been a funny one for me, because you guys both loved it as your favorite album, and I never liked it as much as so much of the newer stuff. Like, for me, right off the bat, Power Slave was, like, my favorite album, Uh, in the early days when I was listening, and, and of course, the ones I was listening to, the newer albums, but I remember, like, I remember thinking, like, Power Slave had to be the best, and... I just could never explain to you guys why I didn't like it. But I was afraid to address it because I was like, they know more about Maiden than me. They must understand something. that I, There must be some hidden thing. But i would be listening to it, I'd be like, Power is better than this. But now, I mean, now I still put it as one of the best albums. I, I love it. I objectively love it. I love it a lot more now than I did then.
1: Yeah, it's weird because that's something I kind of realized as we were going through this whole podcast over the last like three years is – I always said Killers was my favorite album. I think a big part of that was kind of you get burned out on Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave, Seventh Son. You know what I mean? You listen to them so much, years and years of listening to them, and you're like, okay, enough with Power Slave. Killers. Killers is the one. You know what I mean? And it's as I've gone through the podcast, I've tried as hard as I can to t- kind of like not factor in whether or not you're sick of hearing a song in how much, you know, like when we started this podcast, I was like, Killers is my favorite album. Run to the Hills yeah, is all right. It's pretty good for a single. But now I'm like, no, Run to the Hills is one of the best songs just because I'm sick of it. There's a reason it's like the most popular Maiden song. There's a reason it's like the one Iron Maiden song like that and Number of the Beast that like non-Maiden fans probably know. It's because it's awesome. And just because I'm sick of it doesn't mean I should rate it low. Like you, I try to remove that, from it and now that we've gone through all of these albums i'm kind of at that level i was with run to the hills with every single song and album Mm, you know what i mean i know so i think my opinion now is a lot more like unbiased Mm. and it's kind i used to always have this like underdog factor where it's like oh man the x-files is so good it's one of the best albums you guys gotta listen to it but then i'm like it's a great album, and I love the X Factor. But after we've gone through all the albums, I'm like, the X Factor has no, like, peace of mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where I might have argued maybe that because it's such an underdog album, and it's, like, my album that I love, and I'm trying to push it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. So I try to remove that. And when we do this album ranking at the end, I'm going to try to be, like, you know, I'm, just because I'm sick of it, just because it's overplayed, I'm trying to not let that factor in at all. Yeah, that's hard to do. It is very hard it's to very do. Hard it's very hard It's easier do. to do now when we've listened to every song. Dude. Dissected every single song and gone track by track on every single song.
0: Yeah. There is legitimate data that shows that judges will give people longer sentences or lesser sentences based on the time of day and how hungry they are, even when they have precedence in front of them. And these are people sentencing people to actual prison. Like there's a lot of research on this. And we're here and we're like trying to objectively drink beer and at the moment listen to clips and then try and critically assess it. That's like, you know, it's like, uh I don't know, watching some type of, you know, show and then trying to put that in context. You're in the moment and you're loving it. So it's, you know, that's why I push back against the absolute list concept. And I might even introduce yeah. some interesting angle. <laughs> yeah. But well, the we'll other see. thing
1: is when we're done all these this review and mm. we do do the album ranking yes i mean no one's gonna come up to me a year later and be like you still think this album's number four because i probably won't no absolutely <laughs> not but at the time that we record yeah i'm gonna give my opinion and i'm gonna try to like be as unbiased and honest with it well.
0: Yeah, things change 10 years yep. ago terry was your best friend now i'm your <laughs> best friend <laughs> terry is killers
1: 25 years ago. Yeah. They're, oh, even
0: worse. <laughs> you suck, Terry. It's probably in prison.
1: <laughs> Terry, who gave me my first live after death, first Iron Maiden cassette.
0: Can we drop Terry for a minute? Can we? Uh, all I hear is Terry this, Terry <laughs> that.
1: It's funny. He was the guy that got me into Maiden, and I have no idea where he is right now. Killers. Killers. Mm. So things we talked about that were kind of interesting in Killers. I think we have to get into the Ides of March and Thunderburst. Thunderburst. So... Barry Perkis, who's also known as Thunderstick, the drummer, he was the drummer in Maiden very briefly in 1977. And he jammed on this track when he was in the band. And after he left Maiden, he joined Samson. So the Samson album comes out, and it has this song on it called Thunderburst. So clearly that has a strong resemblance to the Ides of March.
0: Nah, I don't see it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so right away, Steve Harris hears that thunder that song, Thunderburst, on the Samson album. Steve Harris gets his lawyers involved, he secures the rights to the maiden track, and he also gets fifty percent credit, writing credit of the Samson song. And I have a quote from Paul Diano who says, It was Steve Harris, and I'll defend him to the death on that one. It sounds nothing like any other Samson track. Which is kind of true. That is true. So Paul Diano's sticks up for Steve Harris, says, you know, 100% Steve Harris. Yeah, Steve and
0: I will be together oh. forever.
1: There was a bit of uh, controversy there on the the Ides of March. Yeah. Cool. And the other thing that... It's a clip that I wanted to play again, and it's a clip where I compared Wrathchild without Adrian to Wrathchild with Adrian. So the first part of this clip is before Adrian was in the band. And it just shows how much impact adrian has as far as like making the song sound like kick-ass and awesome like adrian had these ideas to put these guitar flourishes in there and it makes a huge difference to the song So you realize how much of a difference those little guitar parts make. And the, like, you're listening to that first one, which is a demo. And you're like, this is pretty good. This is awesome. This is a really good version of Wrathchild. And then it kicks into the second one. You're like, oh, wait a minute. No, it's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't compare. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. It's cool to hear those demos. But when you hear them back to back with like, I don't know. It's just, it's a totally different ball game. Yeah, but a lot like, has- Adrian makes such a big difference.
0: Yeah, but a lot has changed besides the guitar.
1: That's true. But, I mean, those guitar, when you hear those guitar parts, they're such a part of the song. You know what I mean? Even though they're just kind of like added little flourishes put in there.
0: Yeah. That's Adrian. It's another level.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, another thing was the song Killers. Mm. One thing that we kind of exposed on the podcast, I guess. I don't know if we exposed it, but I don't know. if People might have put this together, too. But there's this version of the song live From the Rainbow, 1980. Yes. And Paul D'Anno basically, well, he has. I have this quote from Paul D'Anno. He says, Steve had the song and I had the idea for the lyrics. But Steve wanted to play it live at the Rainbow. And I thought, oh, crap. I had a rough idea, but I made up the words as we went along, live on stage in front of all those bloody people. So he kind of makes it sound like the song wasn't ready to be played live. They went on stage and he had to scramble to come up with these lyrics. So the quality of that's not that great. It's a bootleg. But you can tell you can see that the lyrics are totally different. And Paul is saying that he's making them up on the spot. But August twenty-third, nineteen eighty, at live at Reading, three months earlier, they played the song Killers. And there's a recording of it on the Eddie's Archive box set. So there's them playing it three months earlier with the same lyrics. Yeah, so I looked into it, and it looks like they were playing Killers as early as May of 1980. And that show at the rainbow was the 54th time they played it live. So this is just a common maiden story that I'm going to debunk. You read it in, like, books. You see it in documentaries. It's in the Wikipedia entry. I mean, I don't think it quite happened that way. It's just uh, it's one of those stories that kind of spread around.
0: So wait now, wait now. Hold on. Have you caught Paul Deano in some type of a of a mistruth? <laughs> I think so. Is this scandal. a scandal? <laughs> Holy God! I don't know. Should we cut this out of the podcast? Should we put this on the air? Oh my God!
2: <laughs> I am Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast, possibly the best podcast in the world.
1: Another thing I wouldn't mind talking about is the song Twilight Zone. Um, Whether or not you include that or not, it's totally an underrated Maiden track. One of Paul's best, I think, vocal performances. Yeah, it's one of those songs that kind of shows that Paul really can sing. It's just you know he has a style that's very different from Bruce, but Paul can you know belt it out when he wants to.
0: Yeah, there, there's there's something that really stands out for me with 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 um, Killers, and that's and and Paul really benefited from this style. There's this really rumbling, rolling feel that that Maiden had at this time. Like you saw it, like I'd in the into Wrath Child.
1: Yeah, if you I remember, do get
0: what you're like uh, Another Life. The way that they like to transition to, because it's like this rumbling, da, 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 you know, just kind of that's very different than the maiden gallop where they went after. It was just kind of this rolling tracky. Genghis Khan kind of kept that going. Yeah. you know and it's just this very unique period of Maiden they didn't have that in the, the first album now that I now I'm saying this like Iron Maiden feels more like a collection of tracks and this one's just kind of got that cohesive kind of rough gruff feel with a way better production
1: yep, you know it is but yeah we talked about Killers for two hours and when we we're done I had a bit of a new appreciation for it yeah especially Prodigal Son yes Vi- that's probably one of the most unique Iron Maiden songs. It is, yeah. It's very different.
0: But, I mean, Purgatory, Drifter, Two on that side after Killers. Oh yeah, Purgatory's is great. Excellent, excellent.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Murder's in the Rue Morgue, like Yeah, it's an Killers album. is a, an excellent album.
0: Doesn't have the same like name weight when you name the tracks compared to some of them, like because you know just the tracks have been carried on so many albums and 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 all that stuff, you know, and the live albums and various things from the Iron Maiden. But to me, collectively, this is just. I don't know. It's a step up big time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's perhaps maybe it, it a does. little
0: underappreciated by Maiden, Maiden fan base. I don't know. I say this a lot, but it's more just the echo chamber I'm in.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Killers is great. I still think I like Iron Maiden better. It's just there's some songs on there. I think Phantom of the Opera, I think, is the best song out of the Paul D'Anno era of songs. Mm, well, and that, I- uh, that alone is enough to, like, you know, put Iron Maiden over Killers for me. That and Remember Tomorrow. I don't know, it's great. Fair and enough. An iconic Iron Maiden. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I don't know. But, I uh, guess probably... I guess I just respect Adrian more than you.
1: <laughs> I do love Adrian though. Uh, I'll just go listen to my primal Rock Rebellion album now.
0: Yeah. You do that. <laughs> listen to it with Terry.
1: Um let's wrap it up. That's uh, we got as far as uh, the first two Iron Maiden albums. Yeah, we got a in way. our discography review that yeah. we're calling Reflections of the Beast. Yes. In the lead up to our uh, the end of the, our podcast, or the end of this phase of the podcast.
0: Yeah. And uh, we've kind of gotten through the early years and the Paul years. Now we're going to talk about the golden age.
1: Yep. Mm. Um, this beer is awesome. Madit.
0: It's excellent.
1: So uh, after we're done these episodes and the album ranking, we're going to have a couple of wrap-up episodes. If you have any feedback, or you want to leave us a message at, or just go to the Talking Maiden website, Google search it and uh there's links there yes but go, there's a there's a link there for talk where you can leave an audio message if you want to get one in
0: get us on facebook tweet or twitter yeah until next time up the irons down the hops.